Michigan Wolverine exit interview. What will Jim Harbaugh do? What will they do at quarterback? What are our expectations for 2022? Why these snow doubters should go shove it. Good morning. It is Friday, January 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Chase Scott. About to bring in a conversation I had earlier today with Steve Lorenz of the Michigan Insider, which is 24-7 Sports' Michigan site. I'm still in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. If it ever stops snowing in Nashville, I'll be able to get out. But until then, we're getting a little bit creative with our recording locations. I recorded this interview with Steve Lorenz in a fire exit stairwell in a San Antonio hotel. He sounds great. I don't know how I sound, but it's a great conversation. It's always fun to talk to Steve and he's always got something good to say. Some more portal news that happened on Thursday. Zach Calzada, the Texas A&M transfer, is going to Auburn where he will compete with TJ Finley for the starting job. Finley, of course, is a one-time LSU transfer and they are both competing for a job that Bo Nix vacated when he transferred to Oregon. You've also got Connor Bazelak, former Missouri starter, was SEC co-freshman of the year in 2020. He's going to Indiana now. So that that's a big transfer move. And that all leaves what's interesting about those two happenings is Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer quarterback who's transferring because Quinn Ewers came to Austin. Casey Thompson had a top five that was released Wednesday night and Auburn and, and uh, Indiana were both on that list. It really looks like Nebraska is the best fit for Casey Thompson. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then speaking of transfer quarterbacks, Malik Hornsby has announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. He was a highly coveted and highly ranked Arkansas quarterback commit a few years back who flashed in relief of KJ Jefferson a few times this season, but Jefferson's coming back. And so Malik Hornsby is not. So lots of stuff in the transfer portal. Make sure you're, you're plugged into 24-7 sports uh, to, to follow all of those storylines. Without further ado, here is Steve Lorenz. Maybe the most excited I've ever been to do an exit interview because we don't even know who the coach will be next year. Michigan Wolverine Steve Lorenz joins us right now. Steve, it hasn't even been a week. Feels like there's been a lot to process. Uh, let's start with the Jim Harbaugh stuff. Where where are you at with that? I, the thing I always go back to with Jim Harbaugh is like he he's not really a he only kind of speaks for himself. You know there aren't really a lot of leaks, especially when it comes to this type of stuff on on his end of the spectrum. I'd say this though, I think it is a little more intriguing. I think the NFL opportunities are a little more intriguing with Chicago and particularly Las Vegas being two potentially open spots. He's always had a good relationship with the Davis family, to my knowledge. And also, you know, there's the connection he's always had with John Madden. You know, I, I think I feel like there might be a little something to that overall. I, I still would be surprised uh, if he wasn't back next season. I just don't think it's the kind of joke that it is usually every other offseason where, you know, when these rumors would pop up before, it was mostly just BS. I don't necessarily think is BS at this point. Uh, but I would still lean towards him being back for Michigan next season. Let's say he did go and, and he would get to say he left Michigan in a better place and he found it internally and behind the scenes, Steve, how thrilled do you think he is with the job his team did this season? Well, with, with team, what the team did this season is huge. Uh, I don't think, I think a lot of, and I know it's kind of a little bit of a running joke in the Michigan world market, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it kind of thought next year would be the year that Michigan would really kind of take a big step forward. I don't think we went into this season thinking Aiden Hutchinson was going to be this good or that David Ajabo would break out the way he did. I mean, he was a breakout pick for us, but not to the level that he became. So I think in a way, Michigan maybe arrived a little bit earlier than we thought they would, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. 
Uh, so with, I mean, with the job he, with, that they did this season would actually would really, I think would be a super disappointing time for him to leave just because it, it you know, with, with winning the big 10, kind of getting that monkey off their back against Ohio state, you know, you got to think the, the future there is, is brighter than it's been under him so far. And, and I mean, that's, and that's with some, some good seasons in the past too, but, but this kind of felt like a progressive step, not just on the field, but maybe just from that, just that cohesive, like mental state of getting past Ohio state, knowing what it takes to do that, knowing what it takes to win the big 10. So, you know, can't imagine anything but thrilled about despite the disappointing loss, you know, against Georgia, but, but still overall, I don't, if, you know, nobody in the, I think I did a media prediction thing at the beginning of the year. I said, they'd go nine and three. I think there were 16 media members. Uh, that was the most optimistic of any. Uh, so the fact that they go, what, 11 and one, you know, or 12 and one, 12 and two after the playoffs, I think is uh, really about as best case of scenario as Michigan could have asked for. Do you have any big picture takes from the Georgia loss, Steve? Yeah, I think my my biggest thing is I'm interested to see if Michigan can change their approach with the NIL or evolve their approach with the NIL. I know Har I, I know Harbaugh enough to know. I think he looks. This is sort of been a step by step process. I think I don't think he, you know, I don't think it probably took him long to realize there was quite a talent discrepancy out there at certain spots, and that if Michigan's going to get over the hump you know, that I think that they need to take another step on the recruiting trail. You know, I think right now Michigan's squarely in that second group of schools, if not near the top of that second. I look at schools like Notre Dame, a few other schools that seem to be in maybe Oklahoma to an extent, maybe Oklahoma a little bit more under Lincoln Riley than just that. But, but as far as not just getting to the playoffs, but maybe taking the next step, interested to see what kind of changes or, or directions they go to maybe – improve their roster uh, so that they can go into a game like that next year, the year after, whenever, if they ever get back there again and uh, actually win it. But overall, big picture, I mean, it was just, you know, I think the more talented team won. Georgia failed their only really major test of the regular season getting beat by Alabama. I think that was our big question going in was, you know, who's their biggest win besides probably like Arkansas, maybe Kentucky. Uh, But it felt like Alabama had kind of exposed them to an extent. I think we thought Michigan would do a little bit better of a job, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But but Michigan has not faced a linebacking group like that. More than any unit in that game, I felt like Georgia's linebackers completely owned the game and, and dominated the game. So I think they know what it, they, they see what the top of the mountain sort of looks like now. Now it's a matter of, I think, getting the roster to that point. All right. So Hutchinson goes, Ajabo goes. The identity of the team was those ends and and uh, on, on the offensive side of the football, it was, you know, Haskins as the bell cow and, and mixing quorum and Edwards at the end of the season. What's the identity for Michigan in 2022? I'm hoping you're going to give me something about the quarterback because has this ever happened before? I mean, maybe, maybe in the Alabama teams where you have the starting quarterback doesn't play in the fourth quarter. And then he, and I'm talking about Cade McNamara is on the podium after the game because he's, he's your team leader, but he might not be the guy next year. So yeah, the offense is kind of because they bring back a lot. You know, Haskins, I'm sure, will be gone. Uh, but you still bring, yeah, you have Corum, you have Edwards. Receiving wise, they pretty, I believe they bring back. I mean, Dalen Baldwin left, but he was sort of probably their fifth or sixth best receiver. Uh, they signed a couple really some good four star guys, Darius Clemens. The offense is gonna kind of it's gonna be the opposite. Offense is what's gonna propel them if they are to have a good year next year. It's gonna be offensively driven. Yeah, I think the one thing. It's not always like this, but I think a guy, uh, when you're playing 
defenses like Georgia in particular. Uh, a guy that can make plays on their feet, on his feet, is paramount. Uh, McNamara, not really that kind of guy. McCarthy, I think, as, as we maybe have started to see, does have a little bit more of the total package. I think the biggest thing with J.J. is just trying to m- more reining him in than anything else. I think that's sort of been the goal. Uh, but again, I mean, he played in every game this season, just about, I think he played in every game. And it's clear it will be, absolutely be a 100% legit quarterback competition next season. And and I think Michigan sees a higher ceiling down the road with J.J. McCarthy. As, as good as Kane McNamara played in spots in, in, at, for stretches this season, he was their best player in the Michigan State loss. Uh, you know, So, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's played really well for them. But I do think, again, you're talking about you've seen what the mountaintop looks like. You know what it kind of takes from a talent standpoint to to maybe take that next step for them. I think quarterback is probably a position where maybe they feel like a different guy with a higher ceiling could be could be one of the steps to sort of getting there. That feels pretty bittersweet though, right? Cade McNamara helped beat Ohio State. I don't know. Like uh, oh, I would absolutely. trust Harbaugh. Yeah. Like I would Ab- trust Harbaugh to do the right thing, but that kind of sucks. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's been an interesting season for McNamara because I, I think while I say he played really well for stretches, uh, during those same stretch stretches, he was never really the guy that got a lot of the credit for some of Michigan's success. I mean, he had three interceptions in the regular season. I mean, again, he wasn't wowing anybody necessarily with the eye-popping throws or the the you know flash. The flash wasn't necessarily always evident, but I mean, again, yeah, he won them. He's he's the quarterback that just brought Michigan their first Big Ten title since what oh three oh four. You know, I mean, I I kind of feel like in a way, I don't think he's gotten the recognition. He maybe started to a little bit at the tail end, but but never, I don't think is is really ever going to get the full recognition maybe that he deserves as kind of being the, the well being the quarterback of it. I mean, you, you know, had Haskins had such a great year. Obviously, all the Aiden Hutchinson stuff. I mean, and those guys well deserved, obviously. But but you know, normally the quarterback gets. A little bit more of the recognition than I think Cade's gotten, and and yeah, it'd be interesting in that fit. And if he's not, if if theoretically he was to not be there next season, it would be just a a good, great career at Michigan, good career, but like a very just odd uh, scenario and an odd way to for things to have kind of ended up playing out for him. All right, last question for you. Let's kind of play this out. Say Harbaugh comes back. What does success look like? In 2022, it's it's a it's an easy non-conference schedule, if you don't mind me saying so, with Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. Michigan is obviously going to Ohio State this year. That won't be in Ann Arbor, playing at Iowa out of the West, and, and also drawing Illinois and Indiana. So that seems manageable. I'm not asking for a prediction. I'm not asking you to set the bar at a, at a Vegas win total, Steve. But what does success look like based on what this year was? I just, this is the best on paper, at least right now. This is the best looking schedule Michigan has had in a really long time. They don't have Wisconsin anymore as that crossover is one of their crossovers. That's kind of maybe something that Ohio State hasn't had that Michigan has had is that Wisconsin crossover every year, which is never an easy game, even when Wisconsin's not great. Kinnick is, I know Kinnick's tough for everybody, but it's, that's even back in the day, Kinnick was always like a, a the, that one. I was that one team that always kind of seems to give Michigan problems. So you know, I look at Iowa. I look at Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State as kind of their big four games. Yeah, the non-conference also. That's fine if they're not going to play a rough non-conference game. Just from a just the idea that they're probably going to be pretty ranked pretty highly in the preseason. So that seems to play such a role in how this stuff plays out. Down even with the playoff rankings and stuff. So. 
I don't think Michigan really cares. Get a high preseason ranking, win your non-conference stuff, and you know take care of business game by game. Interested in Nebraska, I think will be better than last year. Uh, that'll be an interesting game at home, but but otherwise, I mean, I think I think if you're Michigan, I think you got to look at winning the Big Ten again uh, as as your goal and as a as an achievable goal. I mean, it you know I look at it this way this way I always say when Michigan and Ohio State meet third weekend in November. If it's if the Big Ten championships on the line, then it's a successful regular season for for both teams. Now Ohio State's dominated until you know until this season, but for Michigan, for from either team standpoint, I think if you're playing for the Big Ten in that game, then then you've had a successful season up to that point. So I think that should be the goal for Michigan. I do think it's achievable. I think uh, you know we'll see how many more defensive losses they sustain. I would expect Dax Hill to go. I think Chris Hinton leaving was a very big surprise uh, at defensive tackle. That was not expected, you know, so they, they do have bodies there, but we'll see how they replace them. But yeah, overall, I think now, I think Michigan has sort of set the bar uh, at what they can do and what they're capable of under Harbaugh. And, you know, I, I like he, he kind of said, it's the beginning. I don't really know if I agree like what, what exactly that means. I think I have an idea of what he kind of is getting at, but I do think it could be the beginning of, of a much better run for them in some of these big games as they've had the last 10, 15 years. I had the same thought when he said that. And I just want to say, as we let you go, you mentioned Ohio State. I think the most absurd thing I've heard in the last week was people giving the snow all the credit for Michigan's win. Like Ohio um, State threw for 400 yards. Are, are you not on the same page with me there? Oh, no. I think it's one of the dumbest okay. things I've ever heard. Um, yeah. Michigan so, beat the hell out of them on both sides of the line. The snow does not dictate what happens in the trenches. I'm sorry. Michigan's defensive line owned Ohio State's offensive line. Michigan's offensive line has instead five touchdowns. I mean, you know, it's like, no, I, yeah, I can't believe that that's still even a thing. I mean, I, I knew that the fan base might eat themselves a little bit when Michigan finally got over the top. But yeah, seeing media members and stuff kind of parrot it too has been kind of disappointing because, I mean, Michigan was in complete control of that game from beginning to end. So. That's the soundbite I was looking for. That's that's the best way to let a Steve Lawrence podcast in. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right. Go follow Steve on Twitter at TremendousUM. Our producer, Lance Glenn. Appreciate you, Lance. And uh, thanks for putting this episode together. My name is Trey Scott. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back on Monday with a normally recorded, no stairwell needed episode of the College Football Daily to preview that night's national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Take care. Take care.